mindfulness mode. Ground yourself in the morning before life gets crazy during the day. Hello, Mindful Tribe. Welcome to the show again. So good to have you with us. Today, I'm talking to an interesting, interesting person who is an animal communicator. And not only is she that, but she's also a safari host, and she offers carefully curated transformational safari adventures. And so you can tell why I was so pulled in. I thought, wow, this is really interesting how she she connects with animals and and feels that as humans we have this connection so i think with mindfulness that is really interesting to talk to this this guest so i'm here today with reverend karen cleveland karen are you in mindfulness mode today i am in mindfulness mode yes thank you you're welcome it's so great to have you with us so what does mindfulness mean to you karen uh, what it means to me, I, I guess an array of things, being aware, uh, being present, watching what's going on. So not only mindful, what am I doing um, or how am I being in the world, but also how what's going on around me, being mindful of everything around me. So yeah, it's really about being present and being aware to me. Well, tell me how you got into this whole work with animals and taking people on safari. This is fascinating to me. Oh, boy. Yeah, it's, it's you know, an evolution. I first started working with animals as an animal communicator a little more than probably, I don't know, 12, 15 years ago. Mm-hmm. And, and coincidentally, that was also when I started getting into mindfulness and some more spiritual aspects of my life. Um, I, my daughter asked me how I knew I kept telling her, you know, the dog wants you to do this. The dog wants you to do that. And she's like, how do you know that mom? It's like, well, what do you mean? How do I know that? Why don't you know that? (laughs) (laughs) So, um, so I took some classes and then I discovered that, that it was actually a thing. I didn't think it was a thing before that, that it was actually possible but so that my evolution as an animal communicator and you know spiritually and mindfully kind of grew together because then i also started taking classes and uh, other classes um meditation classes and spiritual practice classes and that kind of thing and so that kind of evolved and then um i i went i had the opportunity to go on safari which is something i'd always wanted to do and had planned it several times, but never actually went. But I finally went and I thought, okay, this is great bucket list item. I'll check it off and show people pictures and move on to the next thing. But um, but that's not what happened. So my my experience, because I was very open and just waiting for whatever to happen. I did not have expectations on what animals I was going to see or, you know, exactly how it was going to be. I just remained open to whatever the magic was Mm -hmm. and um, ended up by the end of the trip talking to the guide saying, you know, I have to bring people back here. There's, There's an opportunity here for people to really have an experience. So that's how it started. And where was this safari? Oh, in Kenya. Oh, in it Kenya. Was. Yeah. 
So I went, um, so we go several places in Kenya at several parks, Masai Mara and Amboseli, and we see Mount Kilimanjaro and, you know, potentially the big five and all the animals, you know, no promises ever, but mm-hmm. um, yeah. So usually several parks so we can experience different animals and different people, different villages, that kind of thing. So but how long does this go for? Is it like a week? I'm doing one in September. It's actually 13 days. Uh-huh. So usually they're around eight to 11 nights. Just depends on how many parks we want to go to. This time we're also doing a beach visit because they have a wonderful beach in Kenya too, which is not why people go to Kenya, at least not from Seattle, but um, it's a it's a great benefit. Okay. So do you do this single-handedly or do you have a partner you work with? Well, currently, my partner is the guide, okay. so uh, the driver guide. So he's he has you know he's had a business in Kenya for many years, at least ten years. I don't really know how many. Um, I am currently organizing it all from hmm. the United States by myself, but it's really been very organic. Um, I haven't intentionally like I had to go out and advertise or pursue or anything like that. That wasn't what I wanted. This, these are all people that kind of organically come together cool. and there's uh, 15 of us going in September. So, oh. yeah. And I, I, I will be doing other ones. So I am working with an uh, United States based tour company to go do animal tours, other places as well. So that will be coming in the next couple of years. So are there certain animals that you connect more with when you go on safari? I don't know that we connect more with them. So I would say there's some of them that are more, um, not sedentary, but more present with us. So the, the predators, um, are, are not, we can come across a, a batch of, you know, lions and lion cubs, for example, that might just be lazing around. Mm-hmm. But normally it is more like uh, zebras, giraffes, antelope, the different various breeds of antelope. So definitely elephants, uh, big focus on elephants. Okay. Yeah. So, yeah. oh, elephants. I, I've talked to other people who have a special connection with elephants because for one thing, they're very intelligent. Isn't that true? Yeah. Yeah, that's true. And I love it. I mean, they're, they're amazing and it's amazing. So uh, I got lucky at my very first trip there. I got really lucky that we just happened upon an elephant just after it gave birth. So probably less than 15 minutes. There was still all the, uh, you know, birth materials around. So we got to watch mom teaching the baby to walk and then reintegrating with the herd, all the aunties coming over to uh, help with the baby then after maybe an hour or so. It was pretty amazing. But I also go to, there's Sheldrick Wildlife Trust. They are an elephant orphanage and they, um, not orphanage, they do have an orphanage, but they they take care of orphaned juveniles, in several different areas and some other animals. So it's really, yeah, it's real. it can be really impactful and meaningful to go there also and, you know, see these wild elephants up close who are choosing to come 
they're they're choosing to come back with the people they can all go free at any time right mm -hmm. but they they do choose to come back so yeah the elephants are really people really love the elephants for sure i do too yeah so interesting tell me what's going through the minds of the people that are going with you well how do they know how this is going to be just such a life-changing event or what what draws them to this i I think for for many of us, it's a lifetime um, dream. So if they like animals, first of all, yeah, that to be with them in the wild, we um, you know we see them in the zoos or we see them in other places, see mm -hmm. them in the movies. But I don't know if if you don't have someone help prepare you. I, I don't think we know what to expect when we get out on safari. And, and I mean, I didn't, you know, um, a safari can easily be a drive out to see animals, right? Just a drive and you go out and you see animals and it's really good. And that's what I thought I was getting into. Mm -hmm. um, but being out on the plains, on the savannah with these wild animals that can go anywhere, do anything they want. And knowing that they're they're still choosing to connect, so I I go through different exercises with the people, uh, in order to have kind of a deeper experience, a more meaningful experience, mm -hmm. and even possibly get some insights or wisdom from the animals if they feel like they want it. I, I don't think they know exactly what to expect. You know, the guests on the mm -hmm. safari, and that's part of what I call the magic of it. So. Um, just not expecting the top of the world, you know, not expecting everything, maintain, keeping expectations, you know, sure. this is what's going to happen, no promises, and then allowing whatever the animals choose to do around us to do. Because I, I'm very intentional with um, invitations, asking for an invitation when we go into the park or when mm -hmm. we connect with the animals and, you know, I, we don't want to impose on them. We all have free will. So between us and the animals, letting uh, everyone know that everyone has their free choice. And if they want to share something, share it. And if they don't, they, then don't. Right. Right. Well, I know that you've done this before. And so I'm really curious how that you help individuals reconnect with their their center and their inner selves during these adventures. Do you have a story you can share with us about maybe someone that you've taken on one of these adventures? Um, I, yeah, I, so definitely. Um, there's a, a one woman specifically. I'm, I don't think I'm going to use her name, but sure. let's just call her Sue. And um she was struggling. I mean, she was, she didn't, she didn't know if she wanted to go on safari. She had traveled, but not outside of the United States. I mean, she, of course she really wanted to go, but she was very scared to go. And through the process, once we got there, once everything happened, she got sick at one point, which sometimes happens if we're paying attention to what our body is telling us. Mm -hmm. And you know, some of the emotions we're having and some of our past comes up, that kind of stuff. Um, or you can eat something bad. But I mean, um, 
so, so we're, we're going throughout the trip and she has lots of questions and it took, I, I think that safari was probably nine days. I'm not sure exactly. Mm-hmm. It probably took to the seventh day before she was actually able to relax into it and find beauty in it. And then the next two days were wonderful for her, however many days it was. But then coming back, you know, she's she's realized that some of the stuff that was important to her went before she left just wasn't as important anymore. There's something about connecting with these animals, again, that are choosing to be with you that help you reprioritize your life, you know, help you see what is or is not important. Very interesting. Yeah. Well, yeah. I know that you sometimes talk about coincidences and synchronicities and how they all play a role in our lives. And and mm-hmm. you sometimes talk about miracles and magic. Can you tell us about that aspect of what you do? Sure, sure. Yeah, I do like to use the word magic and I, it put interchangeably with miracles sometimes. And, and I know depending on a person's background, they're not very different or they don't apply to what I'm talking about at all. But I think if we allow, so so speaking of mindfulness, if we are present, if we are connected with something a little bit, you know, greater than ourselves, and if we become aware of what's going on in the outer world, so we really have to be aware that... Um, Things out there, there are there are like signs out there. There, there's little these coincidences. Sometimes they are indeed random, probably, but when there's a pattern of them, I think it's something our soul is calling us to look at. Like, what is it that's going on? And when we do pay attention and we we do realize that maybe there's something more for me out there. And if I look for it, if I am open to it, and I, you know, achieve it or discover it, whatever it is, then it does kind of feel like magic. It it does kind of feel like this miracle has happened. I have many things in my life that, I mean, I might call them miracles. Yes, I had to work for them, but there's other things I've worked for that never have, you know, achieved or gotten. Um, and, and I think they divine, they, they require like a little bit of chance or mm-hmm. a little bit of out of my control to what, um, to be what I call magical or a miracle. And like I said, so my first time on safari, every day was more magical than the last day. The first two days I thought, you know, this is it. This has been a perfect vacation. I can go home. And then it just kept getting better and better, um, because I was open to what might happen. So I, I, I'm a firm believer in being open and not trying to control everything. Mm, yeah. I think a lot of us try to control things too much yeah. and that kind of blows up in our face sometimes. Exactly. Right. Yeah. Right. Well, I understand you're an ordained minister. I, I know that you're Reverend Karen. Uh, so how does, what you've learned as being an ordained minister, so I'm assuming that's Christianity. How does that play a role in all of this? Yeah, it's actually not Christianity. It's it's um, not okay. Yeah, it's 
I mean, we we believe in all paths to God. So uh, absolutely Jesus and but also, um, you know, Islam and, and Jewish. Everyone, I think at the core truth, all religions kind of have te- have the same teachings. Mm-hmm. Uh, so I belong to a church, Centers for Spiritual Living, and we teach things about getting in touch with your your inner self and your 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 deeper soul, and as well as the connectedness of all life, as I talk talk about. Um, so I went through a school where we learned all kinds of things like you know mindfulness and uh, psychology and neuroscience and quantum physics and all these different aspects of how you know how the universe works you know the Mm -hmm. spiritual laws that kind of thing and um and i went through that because i was seeing that i believed these were working for me so i started Mm -hmm. taking classes etc and and following what the uh, teachings were and then because i want to help others basically so i don't um i belong to a church but i don't have an actual church center myself i am Mm -hmm. kind of at large i am you know my my teachings are my podcast and the safaris and doing things with people individually and the animals Right. And you mentioned your podcast and your podcast is called Connectedness Podcast, yeah. Connectedness Podcast. Tell us about that and how you got started with that and what it does to feed you. I was looking for um, how how as a minister, I show up in the world. And mm-hmm. many years ago, I had a radio show, a local radio show in Seattle, and I loved it. I loved it so much. Um, and then, you know, that stopped and life changed and, you know, life happens. And then I was listening to quite a few podcasts. So between audiobooks and podcasts, I listened to a lot of things and, you know, it kind of got into my head that maybe I should do a podcast, but I didn't know exactly what I was going to talk about. I tried doing lives on YouTube for a while. Um, and that just didn't work for me to show up like that on a regular basis, I guess that's my problem is I, I, you know, I can't show up every Sunday at church. I can't, I can't, Mm -hmm. you know, I I can't set a schedule like that for myself. So, um, so I was toying with the idea. I want to do it. I was getting, so in my meditations, I had been getting for probably a couple of years, the message that I needed to start talking, you know, Mm -hmm. just in general, you need to talk more. And the whole way the connectedness podcast actually came up is I took my Clifton strengths, which is a, you know, a strengths personality quiz basically. And my number one strength is connectedness. And when I saw that, it's like, it all makes sense. You know, that's anything I've ever named like classes or my ministry or anything has always had something to do with connection because I, I do believe there's a connection to everything. And so when I read that, it's like, well, that's what it is because that's how, that's what I talk about. So, um, and so I talk about connectedness and coincidences and synchronicities, et cetera, but I also talk about 
miscellaneous other spiritual aspects of life and mindfulness and mindset and and just ways for people can get back in touch with themselves and improve their lives really mm -hmm. yeah do you do you have any practical tips or techniques that some of my mindful tribe listeners can use to become more connected um sure uh, absolutely i think so our divine natural state is um i'm going to i'm going to call it joy but it doesn't mean effervescent happy happiness so mm -hmm. joy is like um knowing everything's okay and and being okay and so to i to get to this divine natural state i think all we have to do and i tell people to do this for do it for 17 seconds or do it before you start a meditation, before you start a spiritual practice. But find something that makes you laugh, makes you smile, makes you feel good. Just, you know, a half a minute is all it takes to, to raise you into that state of feeling really good and into your, like I say, your divine natural state so that you start from a place of this is me. This is my truth, and this is, you know, so whatever comes to me, I can accept it at a level from my natural truth instead of, you know, feeling down and, and kind of humdrum about starting something. So that's that's what I tell everyone to do. Oh, good tip. That's, that's excellent. I want to ask you a question about bullying, since I've worked in the field of bullying prevention for quite some time. Yeah. Do you have a story you can share with us where mindfulness would have made a difference? Um, I, I, I think so. I have kind of a personal story. And I, okay. I don't know if I'd call it bullying. But as a yeah. child, redheads are merciless, mercilessly teased. Um, I don't know if it's still true, but it certainly is true when I was a child and, and me and my sister both had red hair and teased by our family, teased by schoolmates, everyone, just because we were different. At that time, it seemed like we were probably the only two in the school. Yeah. And um, and it was, it really bothered me because it, you know, well, I didn't like being teased, but it wasn't anything I had any control of. You know, right. I at that time, dying hair was not such a big deal like it is right now. So, um, yeah, I felt like I had no control. This was being done to me and I just kind of had to live with it. And I really think if I had known these skills back then, it mm -hmm. would have made a huge difference because, you know, now I might recognize that these people are teasing me because they have an issue with something, whatever it is, you know, it might not be all about me, it might also be something about them. So I don't have to take it personally. And even if they, they just don't like red hair, then um, I, I can know it's not, it does, I don't have to embody it, you know, right. So yeah, I think well, it would have been very helpful. That's interesting, because I had red hair as a kid as well. Okay. And uh, I have uh, six siblings, and I was the only one with red hair. Oh, so, were you? Yeah, teased? so I, yes, yeah. sometimes not not to a huge extent, but yeah, sometimes. Okay, it's kind of like like where'd you come from? You know, <laughs> right, right, exactly. You know? The adopted one. Yeah, that kind of thing. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So 
That's very interesting. Well, as we move forward in the interview, Karen, I want to ask you five quick answer questions. So just 30 second answers are perfect. The first one is this, who is one person who has been a powerful mindfulness influence in your life? Mm, one person. Wow. I think I'm going to have to say my my mentor, my senior minister, when I first started uh, studying all this, Kathy Ann Lewis in Seattle. Okay. She's, yeah. Okay. My second uh, question is about emotions. How has mindfulness helped you deal with your emotions differently? Oh, uh, to accept them uh, and not ignore them. Right. Yeah. Yeah. The third question is about breathing, and we haven't talked much about that either. Do you have any thoughts, tips, ideas about breathing as it relates to mindfulness? I don't think so. I I have just recently started trying to breathe intentionally three times a day, but I'm I'm late on the whole breathing thing. I people talk about it, but I'm not ready to share anything yet. Sure, no problem. Yeah, my next question is about a book. Are there any books that come to mind that that you would share with our listeners that oh. maybe it's related to mindfulness, maybe very closely or maybe loosely? Um there's so many. So I think I started with Eckhart Tolle, A New Earth. Right. Um, and yeah, it, it, that was powerful for me. That was like probably close to 15 years ago. Um, but Jack Cornfield, you know, Eric Betterworth. Yeah, all kinds of classics. Yeah, for sure. Any apps that you would recommend? You know, I never... I never I think I never had the room on my phone to download an app, but what I do is I set alarms and I use music that touches me as the alarm. Wow. So when um every now it'll start playing and I just I get into the moment with the music and I remember to, you know, be present with that. Ah, oh, good. Good advice. Well, it's been really interesting talking to you, and uh, I'm fascinated with your safaris. How many safaris have you gone on already? Well, it, COVID put a damper on it, so we'll yes. only only have done three so far. Um, have okay. one coming up, and have some worldwide safaris. So going some other places in the future as well to connect with the animals. But yeah, it's um. It's it's a it's a whole new experience every time. Right, I guess. Well, uh, I see that your website is revkarencleveland.com. So rev as in Reverend, R E V Karen standard, uh, Cleveland C L E V E L A N D. So that's easy, revkarencleveland.com. Yeah. What would we expect to find by going to your website? You can find, uh, I have several free resources. So whether you need some, like some spiritual practice tips or um, connection with animals for your pets even. So pets is something that I've worked with a lot and also mm -hmm. safari information, but also there's links to, I do, um, so links to my podcast and some, um, some clips from podcast on there from, my blog where I write and I do a website called insights from the animals, which is where I talk to wild animals. And then I post just a few of their, um, 
wisdom for people. It's like, here's what the people need to know right now from the elephant, for example. So you can find that there too. So anything about, you know, safaris and classes I have coming up. Wow, I love it. I love it. Any final words of advice for our listeners before we say goodbye? Just try to remember to take a breath, you know, and I guess that is a breathing thing, but just reground yourself and ground yourself in the morning before life gets crazy during the day. So, yeah. Awesome. Yeah. Okay. Well, thanks so much for being on Mindfulness Mode, Karen. Thank you so much for having me. I really enjoyed it, Bruce. Thank you. You're welcome. Bye now. All right. Bye-bye. Hey, Mindful Tribe, thanks for listening to the episode today. Great to have you with us. And I wanted to mention today about my YouTube channel. You can find it by going to mindfulnessmode.com slash TV, or just go to YouTube and type in Mindfulness Mode Podcast, and you'll find me online. And I have 267 subscribers. Thank you so much, subscribers. And if you haven't subscribed yet, it would be awesome if you checked it out and subscribed. And it would be even more awesome if you subscribed and left a comment. And uh, I would really appreciate, you know, you clicking on that like button for the videos. And uh, with that, take what we've learned today to reach new heights of calm, focus, and happiness. Stay in the mode.